0: Wow, it's so good to be home. You know, I've not been here for more than three years. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, I'm quite sure there are many new faces. You don't even recognize who I am or you don't even know who I am because three years or four years ago, I had long hair. I had a transformation that God told me I need to cut my hair. You know, I'm just joking so that I can look, you know, presentable to you guys today. I'm no more a rock star. I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, a boy band right now trying to be young. Anyway, I, I need a big favor from all of you guys because uh, I'm quite sure many of you have not seen me. So I like to interact with my crowd because in Every Nation PJ, we don't have a stage. So my people are all very near me, but you guys are pretty far away from me. So can you take out your phone? Is it okay? Today you can use your phone only when I ask you to use your phone, okay? But you don't have to on your flashlight. I just need you to on your display. Is it okay? And then we can you just wave your display for me to see? Yes. Wow, that's so beautiful. Because you're on flashlight takes a long time. So beautiful. Okay. So, when I ask you a question, if you agree, you live it up. You don't agree, you don't put it up. Is it alright? Let's do a test. How many of you here love our senior pastor, Pastor Tim? Woo! Woo. Alright. How many of you love what he loves to eat? Durian! Come on. But you all love Durian or not? You all don't love... It's alright. I love Durian too. Okay. My next question is very simple. How many of you love Jesus? Come on. That's right. Okay. This is a trick question. How many of you here believe you are a creative? Now, some are not sure. Some are putting up, you know. You know, in every nation, PJ, we say this to everyone. That everyone is a creative because... Everyone. So you turn turned the and say, you are creative. Because the Bible says you are His masterpiece. Correct? So if you are His masterpiece, that's what the Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, and this is my favorite verse for this uh, year or maybe the year to come, is to remind us that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Amen? So you all are creative. That's why you're not certain. Now you, you, now you are certain, right? But let me give you a bit of a background before I dive into Ephesians 2 verse 10, right? Paul wrote this book to the people of Ephesus. And during that time, Ephesus is right now currently where Turkey is, alright? When Paul wrote to the people of Ephesus, the country or the city is really actually thriving. They were considered as in the ancient days they have what they call uh, one of the seven ancient wonders in, during that time, which is the goddess of Artemis. So there was a big goddess and people were going there, flooding the place and obviously worshipping this god. And because of them worshipping this god, there's a lot of blacksmiths begin to create trinkets or statues of this god. And maybe, maybe possibly Paul... That's why he, when he said we are, either in the word God's masterpiece, you can read other verses, it's God's workmanship. Because all of them could identify this blacksmith making just trinkets and statues. And I believe when Paul mentioned this, I think the people of Ephesus understood what it meant for them. And Paul was trying to tell them, hey, you are not statues you are not trinkets made by men, but you are made by who? God. And so he was reminding them on that. And as you continue, continue to read Ephesians, basically, Paul uh, wants to remind them of their identity in Christ in all the distractions they were facing because it was a thriving city with all the entertainment and all the work and all the different things just like right now, we are maybe living in a different era, but... Well, we're living in the city right now. We also have a lot of distractions, right? To the point, maybe. And that is why John, 20 to 30 years later in Revelations, he wrote, he wrote this about the people of Ephesus. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And I found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have lost your first love. Because among all their distractions, it's possible that they, the people, the church of Ephesus possibly lost their identity in Christ. And twenty, thirty years later, John begins, God actually spoke to John to remind the people of uh, Ephesus that they labored so hard. You know, I, I think we are in this generation of us as well. We labor with our intellect. We labor with our giftings. We labor with all our strength. We, we come here, you know, I just want to applaud, uh, you know, I, I, I used to be the worship pastor here and I see the amount of people serving the Lord. It's so amazing. It's so so good to see people serving the Lord. But the danger is when you serve and you forget why you serve. Or when you're coming here to church and you're attending this service and you're wondering, why am I here? Am I just wanting to fill in the pew? And maybe that's why we may be great laborers for Christ, but have we lost our first love? It's such a serious question and everyone's a bit more solemn. Why don't we just close our eyes for a moment and and let's just come to God. Is it all right before we come to the Scriptures? God, I just pray, as we begin to dive into your Word, as we put our hands to our hearts, Lord, I just pray that God, that we will remember that, Lord, we will not labour in vain we will not labor so hard to the point we get burnt out, we get tired, we get so distracted to the point we forget the most important thing, why we are a believer, why we are a disciple of Christ, and why we are serving you. And that is your first love. And that is to draw nearer to you. So I pray today that God, you will begin to speak to all of us that we will desire to go after you, to pursue you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's just dive into the Scripture. So you know that's what Ephesians was talking about. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Paul begins to continue to reiterate that we are made alive in Christ through His grace. And we are saved through faith. And he says it is a gift from God, not by works. So that no one can boast. And that's where 8 and 9 and that's where Paul then begins to talk about it in verse 10. To remind us that because our identity is in Christ and we are not saved by works but by grace and by faith, then therefore we are God's masterpiece. Now the word masterpiece in the Greek, it means poema. Say poema. Poema, right? Poema means poem, poetry. Meaning, God wrote a poem about you. Wow. Each one of you, every single one of you, God wrote a poem, a story, a beautiful story about you. And when I think of that, it's so amazing. And when you look at the word masterpiece, it means, and when Paul addressed his masterpiece, he's talking about believers, people who come to Christ and they become new, right? And that's where the word uh, actually comes from 2 Corinthians 5, 5, 17. It says, Now, if anyone is unfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. You know, when you came to God, you are new. Amen? You are new. You are His masterpiece. So when you, when you came to God, it, you became actually your past, whatever your past was, now you became a new, and I will say you became a fresh rock, in the sense of the Lord. Uh, just a fresh rock, and you start as a rock. And as you start being a rock, God begins to allow you to chisel you. Now there, there, there is a problem here. When you see yourself a rock, you begin to picture yourself. What happens at this rock? How, when you chisel this rock, how will you look like? There's a difference between. You are a masterpiece and you are his masterpiece. I don't know, you see the difference between you are a masterpiece and you are his masterpiece. So, I'm going to ask you a question and I want you all to uh, maybe put up your hands, put, put up your phones again, all right? I'm going to ask you this question and maybe you can, you can answer me, all right? How many of you think, this is not a trick question, or it may be a trick question, how many of you think that you are special in God's eyes? Come on, put out your hands. All right. So, let me tell you this, a trick question. The trick question is, you are not special. Wow, pastor is going to stone me. Uh, But you can throw phones at me, no problem. I accept phones. So, why why, why do I say, you are not special? I begin to think about it. You know, special is always... um, I would say, the word special is not the problem. It is how we perceive the word special. Why, why I say that? Because don't you agree special makes us compare? Don't you agree that special makes us feel possibly entitled? Or maybe special makes you feel or makes you over-expect? Is that possible? Why I say that? What if you are at work and someone else is treated special? How do you feel? Or some of you have brothers and sisters. And some of you feel that your brother or sister are treated special. How do you feel? You, you see what I'm trying to say? Special has a comparison. And when you, when you have a comparison, you feel that you're entitled, you feel possibly prideful, possibly arrogant. And possibly when you feel you're special, Sometimes, we look at people differently. Even as believers. We look at other religions differently. We look at other people differently. Because we think that we are special. Now, what, what, what do I mean? You see, when, when, if God say we are special, then there has to be a comparison. If all of you are special, then how do you compare the difference? You can't compare a difference. Am I right? Because all of you are special. Therefore, there's something about the word special that sometimes we take it to the point when we, are not, when we don't get blessed by God. We don't get what we want from God. We ask from God and we didn't get it. Or the things we do and then we say, God, where are you? Or when you don't get the healing from Him and then what happens? That's where a lot of people walk away from God. Why do they walk away away from God? Because they thought that they were special. And how come this God who's supposed to tell me that I'm special, didn't give me what I want? See, that is that chiseling, I call it, where when God chisels you, you become His masterpiece. But when you are special, guess what? You begin to craft your own understanding about God and you begin to chisel yourself to be a masterpiece, not His masterpiece. I don't know you see where I'm coming from. You begin to have a different perspective of God. You begin to think that God is supposed to be like that because you are uh, supposedly a masterpiece. You are not a masterpiece. You are His masterpiece. And that is the difference. And when I look at this scripture again, what does it mean when, when God says you are His masterpiece? The word that this scripture says, He has created us, uh, us anew in Christ Jesus. You know, when I look at this verse in Christ Jesus, in the New Testament alone, you will find it written seventy-five times in the King James Version, and of course, due to the time, we are going to read all seventy-five. You all didn't get it. But anyway, it's okay. I'm just going to focus on two two different verses on this in Christ. And you will see a bit of how His masterpiece looked like and why we can differentiate from being special and differentiate how God looks at you as His masterpiece. In Galatians 3.26, he says, For in Christ Jesus, you are all, come on, tell me what? Sons of God. True faith. When you are His masterpiece, you know that you are a son or a daughter. You're not special, but you are a son. You are a daughter. And let me continue. In the other verse, in Romans 8, 39, it says, No height, no depth, no anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When you see this too, God is saying that when you are His masterpiece, you are His son or daughter. And the second thing is, you're not special, but you are loved. You know, last week, I had a family who came and stayed with me. He has three children. One of them is 17, and the other daughter is 17, and the the boy is 15. And I I knew this family for a long time. I knew the children growing up since they were babies, in that sense of the word. And while fellowshipping, they were talking about uh, why this 15-year-old boy, still until today, does not possess a phone, while the sister at 15 years old had already a phone. And if you were siblings, don't you feel that the daughter is treated special? Because at the same age, she had a phone and he he didn't have a phone. And as you know today, education, everyone needs a phone. And this kid could have felt that he was not special. And in that whole conversation we have him and the father talking about different things in the house. You know, one thing I saw, that the, that the son was not feeling jealous, feeling that the sister was more special than him, but he knew that the reason why he couldn't hold a phone at 15 because he, couldn't, he was not disciplined enough. The daughter, because they have a, they have a rule in the house that after school or after five, you've got to put the phone on the table, on the dining table and not use it. And the daughter has been doing that day in, day out. But the son knows that he's not able to do that. And when you hear the conversations within the father and son, I realise one thing that is so beautiful. the father, The son can talk to the father like a friend. The son can talk and laugh and enjoy everything his father does. He goes to gym together, he trains in gym together, they run together, they do everything together. And yet, there's no feeling of being special because he felt that he was loved. He felt that he was a son to the father. He knew that the father did not treat the daughter special. That is the, that's similar on how God thinks of you. God looks at you at all as sons and daughters. He doesn't look at you and treat you different from another person. The other person gets it and you don't get No, that's not how God works. But you know what? If you don't understand or if you don't feel the love of the Father, then you will feel that you are not treated as a son or daughter. And today, I hope that when God says that you are His masterpiece, you need to get that perspective right. And once you understand that you are in Christ, you are in Christ, you are a son, you are a daughter, you are loved, then you know how God wants you to be His masterpiece. And how does that masterpiece look like? The answer is very simple. It's such a simple answer that sometimes it boggles us because it's too simple. The answer is God wants you to be like Christ. Basically, when He chisels that rock and while He's chiseling, the person that's supposed to look is not you. It's not the extra handsome you, the more body-built you, the more prettier you, the more, you know, whatever shape. It's supposed to be chiseled to look like Christ. This is exactly what He's chiseling each one of you to be. And that's why I said that if you, can, if you are looking to be a masterpiece, you will, I'm sorry to tell you, you are going to regret because that's not what God is going to do to you. He is trying to chisel you to be more like Christ. In fact, He wants to chisel you to lead like Christ. Because if you read the all, all the gospel, you realize what Christ did, all through his life is to show us all what leadership is. To show us what leading is. And I want to go to the scripture in Luke chapter 2, 40. Because I want to show you what leading like Christ is. Alright? The first thing that Christ did, or the Bible talks about in Luke 2, 40, it says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace, favour and spiritual blessing was upon him. Now let me ask you, how many of you want wisdom? Only a few. The others all, I don't know, what, what, what do you all want? You know, wisdom is one of the greatest things to, uh, to achieve in life because they said, knowledge is power, That's what people always say. But I would say knowledge is power only when you apply wisdom. Meaning that if you don't apply your knowledge, you will never get wisdom. Therefore, whatever you get is in your head, but you never practice it, you will never get it. And therefore, you will not. People ask, how come uh, I understand a lot of things, but I cannot be a millionaire yet? I read all the millionaire books or whatever leadership books I've read. But if you never practice it, you will not gain wisdom. Therefore, you will not be able to be a good leader. You will not be able to, for lack of a word, be rich, right? But I want to talk about wisdom. Lead like Christ, true wisdom. Now, there was a book called Jesus is the Question by Martin B. Copenhaver uh, that says Jesus asked 307 questions. Wow. And only, guess how many he answered? Only three. I don't know whether that is correct. I mean, that's what he says. I got no time to check. But if you read the Gospels, I'm sure you know that Jesus asked more questions than answer them. Because I realized to gain wisdom or to even answer wisdom actually is to ask questions. You know, in the past year, I'm learning actually something I learned from our senior pastor. Because every time we, we talk to him, I don't know you talk to him a lot, but I talk to him okay, la, okay. quite a lot la, because he always calls me, you know, lah. But every time we ask him for wise advice, he always asks questions. He doesn't tell us the answer immediately sometimes. And I like that because or even when we have situations in our church where we need to talk to different people, and he we gotta bring him in to even have a conversation. He doesn't really give an answer first. He learned to ask questions. And I realized why. Because in my years, I realized that debating is a waste of time. You know why? Debates, nobody wins. You know what debates are, right? Someone tells his point, the other person tells his point, at the end of the day, nobody knows who's, who's right. It ends with no one winning. Seriously. what debate does so when you go anywhere you 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 challenge people about their belief system and all those things without questioning them but just say you are wrong and then you just try to defend why you are right it always ends up with nothing it ends up with almost almost zero your time is wasted debates waste time because everyone is challenging their knowledge but guess what always when you apply wisdom you ask questions people begin to discover themselves when they answer because they answer it themselves. And they begin to actually, when they answer, they begin to realize possibly that they don't really know what they're talking about or they don't even believe what they're talking about. And that's what wisdom does. Jesus always, always asks questions. And these are a few questions he'd love to ask. One of the questions he asks is to Peter. When Peter was confused uh, or don't even know who he was, Jesus didn't go around and say, I'm Jesus. I'm the Son of God. Worship me. He never did. He walked around showing the love of Christ or love of God and people begin to see. And that's why people say, you are Christ. You you call yourself the Son of God. Then he never said anything. He he says, I never said that. You said that. And that's why he told Peter, he says, who do you say I am? It's a powerful question. Who do you say I am? The next question he asked is to this uh, uh, sick man who's sick and uh, he was at the Bethesda pool waiting to get healed. And Jesus went to him and said, come, let me heal you. He didn't say that. He didn't just go there and say, let me heal. He asked them this question. He asked him, do you want to get well? That's a totally different preaching message altogether, but it's so powerful he asked that question. And the next question he asked, why are you so afraid? And that was when the disciples were on the boat and there was a big storm and, and the, the, the sea was so rough. They were so afraid. And they, they see Jesus did miracles after miracles after miracles and yet they were afraid. And Jesus, says, didn't, Jesus didn't say, don't be afraid. <laughs> he says, why are you so afraid? It's interesting. The next one. Well, Peter was walking on water and suddenly he saw again, the sea was rough and he began to sink. Sing. And Jesus asked him, why did do you doubt? He never said, you doubted. You now, sometimes, I don't know you realise this, but I am guilty of this. When we journey our lives through, of course, during the MCO and maybe some of us are still affected by it, we, be, we begin to doubt God. You begin to ask the wrong questions instead of asking the right questions. We always say, God, where are you? Why you didn't do this for me? Why this? Why that? We ask the wrong question. God is asking us, why are you so afraid? Why are you in doubt? Or this question, do you still not see or understand? That was a question he asked his disciples when they saw Jesus feed the 5,000 and the 7,000. 7, 4, 5. Suddenly I got mixed up. But anyway, these two people, people—they and, and the disciples did not understand why did Jesus feed all this and multiplied it. They couldn't understand. We read the scriptures and Jesus came to them and said, do you still not see or understand? Maybe all of you have gone through and you've seen miracles after miracles in your own life and today you suddenly felt that you're not special again. Something happened in your life and then you, you begin to ask God, did those miracles happen to me before? Did I really experience God? And all of you here have, have one or another experienced God. But maybe now you ask yourself, did I? Do I still not see or understand who my God is? Do I not see or do I, why am I still so afraid? Or why am I still in doubt? And the other question, Jesus asked Peter when he he resurrected, he didn't say anything else but just asked Peter this question. Peter, do you love me? You know, God is asking the same question right now. Do you love me? And the last question, there are many questions, of course. And I like this question question because when people begin to challenge you, you go back to the Scripture. Jesus didn't even answer his own answers. He always asked because this guy was supposedly a a lawman who knows the Word of God. And so Jesus asked him, what does the Scripture say? I love the wisdom that God always brings to us all. And I want you to begin to see that that's what God wants you to have when you are His masterpiece. To lead like Christ is to lead with right questions. Not coming out with the wrong questions, why God, you do this to me. Instead, God, why do I doubt? Why am I so afraid? Why do I not understand that You are my God? How can I doubt that You are my King? You are my Father, You love me. And that is the first perspective. That's the first, uh, what you call that, uh, angle we must come from. If our mindset can change, I tell you this, you will see an amazing change in your life. Amen? And the second thing to lead in Christ, I call it, is to be led by His Spirit. Because as you read in Luke 2.40, Spirit and Wisdom. We need to be led by His Spirit. To, to lead like Christ, we need to be led by His Spirit. And I want to, you to hear a one-minute song, which I'll ask them to play soon. This particular scripture is a scripture that God has been chiseling me till today. Until today, and it has been a song that's really, uh, really, it's working deep into my spirit and it's telling me how I should be His masterpiece, and it's only one minute. And you can, of course, check it out in the Songspiration uh, in Spotify. But I just want you to hear this song, so because whenever you feel that you are not, you know, worthy, you feel that you are not a mas- His masterpiece. Just play this one-minute song, and it's a, it's a scripture word for word from King James Version. Can you play the song? Thank you. The spirit of- Because the Lord hath not a to preach, the tithes unto the meek, the tithes to the meek. He had sent me to bow up the broken heart, to proclaim liberty to the captives, Yes, it's just a very short song. And if you cannot memorize verses, just play verses like this. And let God feed your spirit because you need to be led by His Spirit. So when I talk about leading like Christ, remember the first thing to be His masterpiece is to be in Christ, right? Knowing that you are a son or daughter and you are loved. And when you know you're a son and you're a daughter and loved then you want to lead like Christ. When you lead like Christ, you have faith like Christ. You will be humble like Christ. You will forgive like Christ. You will serve like Christ. You will love like Christ. You will be strong like Christ. You will be creative like Christ. Uh, But this one we don't like. We will suffer like Christ. And maybe this one also... Not everyone, you know, uh, enjoy this. To be honest, including me before, evangelize like Christ. When we look at all these words, this is what, when Jesus says, go make disciples, He's asking you to go lead like me and make disciples like me. You see what I'm trying to say? And a lot of times we miss that part. When you go make disciples, we never go make disciples by leading in like Christ. And when we live like Christ, we teach our disciples to be able to have faith, humble, forgive, serve, love, also suffer, and evangelize like Christ. I want to end with my story. So to be His masterpiece, I hope you get these two words. God is chiseling you not to be a masterpiece. God is chiseling you to be His masterpiece. And the masterpiece how it looks like it starts with being in Christ and then when, it, when the whole chiseling comes out it looks like Christ because God wants you to be like Him lead like Him alright I want you all to take out your horns again I want to ask you this question alright how many of you here are introverts ah you are my friend thank you for being my friends come and see me but introverts don't, don't want to see each other anyway. <laughs> How many of you, okay, maybe some of you are uncertain. How many of you love, not love MCO as in love the MCO, but love being alone in MCO? Love the being alone, love the eating alone, love the everything all alone. Do you like that? Wow, you see, you've got a few hands. Some, some obviously don't like. So you're not, so I guess there are a few so-called introverts here. That I I can, you know, uh, engage with. But let me tell you this. When I stand here, you think that I'm not an introvert. I'm actually an extremely, uh, I would say, quite religiously introverted person. When I say that, man, I love being alone. Really. I love eating alone. I love watching movies alone. I love running alone. I love thinking alone. Everything I do. Sometimes my wife wonders Why did did I get married in the first place? When when everything I love to do alone Really? You know, when I saw the show I'm Legend I don't know if you've seen that show Will Smith was the actor He's the only man in the world Fighting a zombie world Honestly, when I saw that I said, hey, this is pretty cool I kind of like this If I'm the only man in the world With a dog Sounds cool You know, I'm just trying to tell you that is the kind of mindset I have. I'm a really, if I were to choose my own masterpiece, that is who I'm going to be. You won't be seeing me standing on this pulpit because I am really an extreme introvert. I can remember, you know, uh, I would say my scale of loving people is almost zero because my introvertness, like I say, may be different from all of you, but... I, I don't mind not being loved. Seriously. It's a weird thing, like I said. So I'm so, so caught up in my introvert world that I don't care about what people think of me. I, I, I can just live by myself. And that is my kind of character. But, so I'm, because I'm a Christian, I can remember, I don't know if Pastor Tim remembers this. Many years ago, I told him that, you know, because I'm an introvert, therefore, uh, I have an idea. I will just use my gift. I don't need pastor remember. I, I can use my gift to preach the gospel. I don't need to really make disciples. I don't need to go out one-to-one, speak to people, all these things. I just use my gift. And God will know. Because that's my introverted personality, ma. Or in, in East Malaysia, ba you know, that's who I am. I don't need, you know, I I I don't need anybody. So God, I, I just use my gift. Come here, play my song, and, and minister to people, hide in my After that. Go and hide myself, and that's what I thought being his masterpiece was about. In fact, it's totally distorted. I was making my own masterpiece, I was defining my own masterpiece. Other than being introvert, you know, the people say people who dive into the creative world are very emotional. Emotional means you go like a roller coaster up and down, up and down. I tell you, I am that kind of person. Just last month, you know, God is still dealing with me, you know, I'm still not perfect. So please, you know, don't, 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 don't throw stones at me again. I'm not perfect. I'm just sharing you what I'm going through as well in my own life. Just last month, I had a lunch appointment in Bukit Kiara. And I don't know you know how to go to Bukit Kiara, but I haven't been to Bukit Kiara for three years. So while I was driving and I turned left, and then suddenly I realised that Bukit Kiara was on the right but I was on the wrong lane. That means I was just one minute away to touch, to reach Bukit Kiara but I was on the wrong lane heading to a toll highway. So when I saw that, I was already, when I saw the toll, I hate being told. I don't know about you. I hate being told and the first toll I began to be so angry I said why are you so stupid you should know you should use the waist probably and then get to together one minute away and now you are passing a toll and when I hit the toll I was so furious guess what I did I floored my car wow and I I became a sinner you know what I mean I was I was hitting almost 200 miles per hour because not miles per hour I'm not driving a Ferrari sorry 200 kilometers per hour and guess what I miss the (laughs) U-turn. That's what emotions do to you. So, I miss the U-turn, I go through the next toll. And that toll brought me to Desa Park City. You know how far that is? So when I hit that toll, I told myself, Man, what is this? Two tolls, go back! Another two more tolls! What did I just do? I was so furious, my emotions were boiling, And then the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me. Really, on the way back, I haven't hit the toll yet, and God say, Holy Spirit says, you see what emotions does to you. First, if you are not able to let me chisel you and control your emotions, you're going to make not only a mistake, but you're going to make mistakes that brings you further from your destination. Brings you further away, for lack of word, from God also. Because your emotions, you get angry because you think that, you know, remember you are special and God didn't do this for you and that, that, that. You begin to get so furious with God, you walk further, further, further. Past the u God opened u also. You don't want to take Uton, You go further, further and further and you miss all the, the roads until God speaks to you. So when God spoke to me on the way back, thank God, I listened. I allowed Him to chisel me and I began to just say, God, forgive me for having such emotions. I need you to work in my emotions. I begin to praise God. Even though I passed the next toll, hallelujah, two dollars. Hallelujah, another two dollars. Never mind, it's okay. But it was a lesson that God was teaching me that when I am driven by emotions, I'm driven by my own identity and not my identity in Christ. And I'm not allowing Christ to lead me to be like Him because I allow my emotions to define myself. If you hear me correctly, I am should not be standing on this stage. I should not even be preaching to you because when I look at my introvert personality, if I define myself with my introvert personality or define myself with my giftings as my masterpiece or my personality, I am a problematic child. Yet, God called all of us to be His child, loved and anointed by Him in Christ. And to tell you that, you know, if I can do this, if I, who is an introvert, filled with so much emotional baggage, yet can stand here and tell you that God is chiseling me and changing me to be more like Christ, you can do the same. You know, 13 years ago, I've been a Christian more than 30 years, honestly. But only 13 years ago, I began to allow God to chisel me. And I hope that you will not wait 10, 20 years from now to let God chisel you. You should allow God to chisel you right now. To be more like Him. To be led. To be a leader in Christ. I tell you this. In 30 years ago, when I allowed God to do this in my life, when I knew that I'm a son, I knew I was loved. You know my wife and I, we, we started this uh, movement, so called "Change Your World." Until today, wherever I go, eating dinner or having lunch, people will just come to me. Hey, I know you. You know, I just want to say hi, and I just want to tell you that what you did ten years ago has impacted my life. Until today, I'm living that life because of what you did ten years ago. I was, I'm still shocked because that was ten years ago. And we, and and after that, we founded an NGO called. Be my protector, fighting against human trafficking. And we have saved numerous lives. Just two weeks ago, we are trying to save now a baby who's possibly being, going to be trafficked. When I look at all these things that I am doing, I, I cannot see how in the world an introverted person like me who loves to be alone, an emotional guy who cannot handle his own emotions sometimes, still being used by God. Still being able to touch lives. And you know, the last thing I can never ever imagine myself to be is to be a pastor. I don't know if any pastor will ever re- realize that I could be a pastor. Maybe the last time you tell me, you, my wife, to be honest, couldn't even see me as a pastor. <laughs> because I'm so introverted. I couldn't, she, she felt that I couldn't plant a church because you? Sure. You can't even talk to one person. You can't even stand a person or whatever not. But when God, when I allow God to change me, really, when I allow God to chisel me, man, I tell you this. Since I started planting the church, I've been discipling my people and I've been meeting people even through the MCO, five to seven people a week. For introvert, it's crazy. I've never done that in my life. And guess what? From a point of disliking it, suddenly God has given me a love for it. It is not me. Because when I stop identifying my identity as an introvert... And I discover and I begin to put my identity in Christ, and I lead and I allow Christ to lead me. I have changed. I have changed. You know, maybe some of you, I'm ending very fast, soon. Maybe you all have a wrong impression of God. That His masterpiece is that you're scared. Because now I'm telling you, now I'm a pastor, you're scared that. Man, I don't want to be his masterpiece because I've got to become like Kelvin, Pastor Kel, I've got to become a pastor. I won't be able to dream of being prosperous or maybe I love travelling the world. You know? Wow, I don't want to be his masterpiece because his masterpiece tells me that I'm going to become, I will suffer like Christ also. I don't want to be his masterpiece. Well, maybe you have a wrong impression that, about God because... When you allow Christ to lead you, He will give you the greatest satisfaction of what life is meant to be. Really, those things you think will satisfy your life, you may realise it is not what you really want when you become His masterpiece. You begin to realise that there is the other side of a world that is so, 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 so beautiful. And you know what? What is that beautiful thing? That beautiful thing is you'll be able to encounter miracles after miracles after miracles after miracles in your life. How many of you believe that a miracle is far greater than staying in a seven-star hotel? Or even go into a private jet plane? Or even sit in an expensive yacht? That experience, yes, it's beautiful. But I tell you, when you experience a miracle, it far exceeds all these things that you experience. Trust me. I have not seen a private jet plane. I've travelled many places. I, God has given me a pot Just last week, just a few days ago, God, God uh, you know, brought someone to take me out for a lovely dinner called Le Petit. I never ever thought I would ever experience such dinner. I didn't pay for it. You know, God wants to shower you when you become His masterpiece. But when you begin to become your masterpiece... You will struggle, my friend. You will labor, 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 labor so hard to gain what you want. And then at the end, of they realize that it is not worth it. Because you are not in His presence. You are not in His destiny. You are walking in your destiny. And that's why when you read this verse, it says, So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. God has planned for each one of you. Long, long ago, He has great plans for you. But if you do not want Him to be His His masterpiece for you, then you're not going to see those good things. You are just going to see the tip of the iceberg and you miss all the good things that God has for you. When we planted the church, one of the miracles that God did because remember we are not young anymore I know I look young I'm not, I'm, I look like 20 years old trying to push myself a bit far but I'm not young when we started planting this church and I told God God if this is what you want to do and we prayed a lot of times say God the first miracle we ask from you is that if you assure us that this is the church to plant you will give us a place for free and that is the prayer we told God and guess what's the miracle the first church we planted our first church in PJ, it was free not only free electricity free sound system free tables free chairs free everything free you tell me is that a miracle or not that's how God works he, when He wants to assure something with you and you are in His, in His plan He will show you miracles after miracles you know there's a miracle coming soon I cannot share with you right now in detail but it's 90% there and when I'm able to share this, it will blow your mind. It will blow your mind on what God does when you are His masterpiece. Amen? So I want to challenge you. Don't. Don't feel entitled. Don't feel that you must be special. Feel and know that you are in Christ. You are a son. You are a daughter. And the greatest thing, when you know you are a son and you are loved, you won. Especially to all your introverts out there, especially people who are gifted out there. Let me tell you this: Don't live by their identity, even for extroverts, for that matter. Because you may labor so hard on your extrovertness. Don't live on your identity. Live by Christ's identity. Live in His identity when you live in His identity, man, you are going to see, you are going to see the good things God has planned for you and I a long time ago. Can we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just want to do a simple call. I hope this word has ministered to you. I hope God is just reminding you that at the end of the day, some of the reasons why you are not really uh, having answered prayers in your life is because you have been positioning yourself as a masterpiece instead of being His masterpiece. And I felt God is saying to some of you that whatever you're going through, be it even depression, depression, be it mental health sickness, be, be it uh, uh, financial situation, be it family problems, be it all the different challenges you have or because of your, your, again, your personality. You, you, you always feel that you have a bad personality or, or people don't understand who you are. You have so many different uh, situations in your life and you are so confused and you think that life is so hard. I, let me tell you, friends, life is not hard. It is you who made life hard. And right now, even as God is talking to each one of you, will you come to God right now? Maybe put your hands to your heart if that's who you are, wherever you are going through. Like I said, whatever situations you are going through, and tell God, God, no longer I live, but you live in me, but Christ lives in me. No longer my identity. No longer my emotions, no longer I'm going to be governed by my emotions or my thoughts or my, the way I think. But God, today I am going to allow you to chisel me. Today I'm going to allow you to make me more like Christ. And to be like Christ is to lead like Christ. Meaning, not about me. No longer always about me. I'm this, I'm that. I'm in all these situations but instead asking the right questions because God, you're going to give me wisdom. You're going to give me wisdom to be able to overcome the situations I'm in. You're going to give me wisdom to ask the right questions and be led by your Spirit. And by being led by your Spirit, I am going to go out and not defined by my personality, but defined by how you look at me and how I'm going to use what you have given me to lead others to Christ, to make disciples like Christ. No longer I will live in that box. No longer will I define myself in that box. I am going to define by my define myself by being in Christ. Lord, I pray today for those people who put their hands in their heart at their hearts and knowing where they are in their lives and knowing where their situation is or whether they are facing different uh, difficulties in their lives, whether mental health, financial issues, or family issues, or even feeling weak. Lord, I pray right now, God, that God, your spirit is being, is chiseling them right now. And Lord, you're allowing them to see that, Lord God, that they can be in Christ. They know that, God, they are a son or a daughter and they are loved. They are loved by you. And because they know, God, they are going to start with the right posture and that posture is to lead like Christ. No longer leading themselves, but allowing Christ to lead them in every path, in every situation. Lord, I just pray you begin to just move in their spirit right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone says, Amen. Thank you very much for this opportunity to speak to you guys. God bless you all.